0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to The Volleyball Mentor. This is your host, Gert Lisha. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at Ohio State's resurgence with a four-game winning streak that they're on currently. I'm going to be looking at the BYU versus Pepperdine matchup. They went back-to-back five-set matches. I feel like we learned a lot about both teams and just point out some of those factors that I was looking at. Then we'll look at the Grand Canyon-Concordia back-to-back matchup see how Concordia exposed some weaknesses of Grand Canyon. And that will kind of feed us into the Grand Canyon versus UCLA matchup this upcoming weekend. I did a few game plans for both teams. I'm gonna talk about some X factors I see in both teams lineups. And then at the end, we'll have some predictions on how I think the matches will go this weekend. So very excited for this episode. It was a lot of fun recording and I can't wait to share with you guys. So without further ado, this is the volleyball mentor. de una sin pensarlo. a bailarme como el a como se a a All right guys, let's get into it. So first let's look at the tier system. I had three changes this week and maybe some people are going to be surprised with one change I didn't make. So in tier one, I have no changes. Um, even though Penn state did lose to Ohio state, I felt like this was very indicative of who Penn state is. They missed 29 serves against Ohio state. I mean, if any team misses 29 serves, you're given the other team over a set in points just off miss serve. So they're kind of a team that operates in that realm where they're going to be super aggressive with their serve. Some matches, it's not going to go their way, other matches, it will. Um, and I don't want to take any away from Ohio State because I feel like they have really hit their stride and they're bringing a lot of pressure um, in these recent matches. But I do think that game was more indicative of Penn State missing serves more than Ohio State bringing something new to the table. So I did keep Penn State in Tier 1 with Grand Canyon, Hawaii, and UCLA. Similar thought process with Grand Canyon. Uh, They lost to Concordia in five sets. I felt like it was a little bit of a weird game. I'm going to be looking back into that game a little later into the episode, but I didn't think we saw anything that would change my opinion on how I look at Grand Canyon or Penn State. And that's kind of how I round out my tier one. When we go into tier two, we maintain Long Beach State and UC Irvine. But I did bring up BYU and I dropped down Pepperdine. So Pepperdine was in tier two last week. BYU is in tier three and I flip-flopped. Um, and this will be a good time to go into the BYU versus Pepperdine matchup. I think it's pretty simple. Um, Pepperdine got exposed for relying way too much on Jalen to win them games and in match one Jalen had over 60 attempts which is absolutely insane he had 37 kills um, but still lost the match and coincidentally when you look at the fifth set when everything gets tight Jalen was getting every ball he was seeing double block every single attempt and over time you're just going to break down and that's what BYU did they kept a very solid block against Jalen and slowly but surely he made a couple errors down the road and that's the match you lose by two three points here and there and that's that's valuable so for me it just really exposed Pepperdine's weakness in how they're going to win games Jalen has been essentially the only way that they're winning these games so he's not good enough to beat tier one and tier two by himself and that's not a diss on Jalen that's just one this is a team sport so one player will not be able to dominate in that fashion and compete for a national championship so I do think that it showed Pepperdine's weakness in the same sense I think BYU has been showing a very promising play and the reason I say that is when I watch them they're not doing anything crazy they play a very simple offense Uh, they have very deep pins so they have multiple right sides they rotate through outsides as well they got good middles I like their setter he very simple but runs a clean offense and they just bring a lot of pressure service line block attack they're just typical BYU team especially when you're going into Provo very difficult to play over there And when they're playing with that type of ferocity and just aggression, I think it's very difficult to compete with them unless you have similar type of athletes. So BYU seemed very, very impressive to me against Pepperdine. Uh, Like I said, they just brought a lot of pressure. So that was the biggest change for me in the tier system, in my opinion. Uh, Tier 3, like I said, Pepperdine dropped down. Loyola, Ball State, and Charleston stay in tier three. As we go into tier four, Ohio State jumped up um, as they were in tier five last week. I think with the addition of Michael Wright and Shane Wetzel. uh, Shane is a freshman right side, and Michael is a redshirt junior setter. So, as I've talked about in prior podcast episodes, I believe that ohio state's biggest issue was the rotation of their lineup and in the past four games they found some consistency and shane has been playing unbelievable so as a freshman he's been leading the team in kills per set in the past four matches with 3.24 kills per set hitting a good clip 320 on uh on the past four games so yeah, for me, that's been a huge change. And then Michael has been setting a really good offense. Um, He's a little taller than Noah, the other starting center for Ohio State. And I do think they both are in really good offense, but um, more so it's about finding that consistency within the offense and kind of finding consistency within the lineup. Um, And that's what I think Ohio State's done right now. They're big, they're talented. I like the team a lot. So, they, they really have been shown at past four matches, but they've gone on a four-match win streak. And I'm excited to see how they finish out the season and how they're going to do in the Miva because they are very talented and they can compete with Loyola and Ball State. But um, I would like to see it in the playoffs and I'm really excited to watch them. Outside of that, we have CSUN and Lindenwood again in Tier 4. And then we move to Tier 5. Same thing, Stanford, USC, Damon. And then I added in St. Francis, St. Francis had a great match against Damon. They went five. I mean, again, I'm just getting so impressed as I watch the other divisions of volleyball grow at a rapid rate. I remember when I was playing 2015-16 and we'd go East Coast to play Sacred Heart St. Francis. It, it wasn't competitive at that level, right? Like five, six, seven years ago, it just wasn't that competitive. Now these teams are legit. Damon and St. Francis watching this match, like young players are going to be able to watch these matches and fall in love with volleyball and really gain a lot of knowledge. So shout out to Damon and St. Francis, man. They're, they're putting on a show. I love watching them play. It it truly is a pleasure um, watching these teams play volleyball, which is the end goal, right? Like we just want to spread the game and show how beautiful our sport is so for me that's been the biggest thing on that division of volleyball even though i don't think they'll be able to compete for a national championship anytime soon they're building in that direction which is very exciting so let's go into grand canyon okay so grand canyon played concordia first match they lost in five second match they swept them they're both at home and to me the biggest uh The biggest factor that I saw in this match is Hickman, the main outside for Grand Canyon. Now, in both matches that Grand Canyon has lost, one to Concordia and then one earlier in the season to Pepperdine, Jackson Hickman, he passed over 50% of the serves, right? So 50% of the serves and over came to him where he had to pass the ball. Now, he is the weakest passer in their serve-receive line, And I do think when teams are able to pick him out at that rate where he's passing over 50% of the balls, it really stresses out Grand Canyon serve receive and it makes them very predictable on where they're gonna be setting the ball because even when he does pass it well, it's almost like a trap pass to where the ball's low and you have to set it to one location or another. So he's not giving a lot of lift on his passes. Basically, when you attack him, you stress out their top hitter and you stress out their serve receive line. So, to me, that has been the most effective way to attack Grand Canyon. If you're able to serve him over 50% of the time, you will be very successful against this team, right? In the second match, they were not able to serve him over 50%. They dropped under 50%, it was around 45%, still a high clip. But I do think that 50 percent mark, if you're able to hit them at that rate, it makes it very, very interesting uh, when you play against them. Right. So for me, outside of that, Grand Canyon hit almost 400 in both matches. They were very consistent um, in terms of in terms of not making a lot of errors. Uh, They they still played very clean volleyball. So to me. That just showed Grand Canyon's weakness as they head into this ucla big time matchup so for me when i look at ucla and grand canyon right i have a few a few pointers and i kind of want to talk to you guys about how i would game plan against both of these teams so first as we're talking about with grand canyon i do think hickman is the key if i'm ucla playing against grand canyon i almost would tell my team to not jump serve and just float serve every single ball to him because it is 100% effective if he's passing the ball their offense is at the least efficient level that they are if UCLA goes into this match and they serve aggressive like they usually do but everything's top spin and not really controlled right as I've watched UCLA serve their top spin can be very aggressive but Outside of Champlin, the number 20, the main outside, I don't think that the players know where they're hitting the ball. So for me, it's more effective if you're able to just float serve to the weakest passer for Grand Canyon instead of bringing a lot of service pressure in terms of hitting the ball really hard and hoping that you're going to get them out of system. I think that would be the best way to attack it. So that would be how I'd attack them on the serving realm. On the defensive side, once we serve, right, I would just have a very hard shift to the outside pin. Every time that the outside is attacking inside out, I would almost send a double block. (laughs) If not, I'm having a hard shift with my middle to the outside pin, and I'm gonna make them be very uncomfortable They usually don't love to set their middle inside out. It's usually coming in transition. And I don't know if Gianni can maintain that level of consistency throughout a whole match to be your main hitter against UCLA and win the match. So if I'm UCLA, I'm going to put pressure on Gianni and the middles to to do something. I will not allow Jackson Hickman to be me, right? I'm not going to allow Hickman and Janky to come in there And dominate, right? And then just run their simple offense. Like for me, I'm trying to get them out of system. How we do that, we hit Hickman. And then outside of that, we're gonna make the court small, right? They love hitting cross court on the outside pin. We're gonna send two blockers out there and we're gonna take away their cross court, leave line open. If they beat you, they're gonna beat you hitting line and they're gonna beat you with not their best players. That's how I would attack it if I'm UCLA, right? Now if I'm Grand Canyon looking at UCLA, how would I attack them? So what do we know? UCLA has a very weak right side block, right? So in the same sense that UCLA is going to pressure Grand Canyon in setting the right side, I do think that Gianni is going to be an X factor for Grand Canyon. If he can be effective on the right side pin, Grand Canyon will demolish UCLA. Absolutely. That's what I believe. If he doesn't and he starts to struggle, then I I think it might be the flip, right? And I think that Grand Canyon might very much struggle because UCLA has very high-level middles. Grand Canyon's outside love to hit cross-court. So if they're hard-bunching to the outside pin and UCLA's middles are really clamping on that cross-court shot, I think Grant is going to struggle, especially if they get them out of system, right? Now, when we look at Andrew Rowan's setting style with UCLA, on on the surface, he he looks incredible. Like, he is hands down the most talented setter. This guy is Micah Christensen 2.0. He's going to be on the national team very soon, if not in the Olympics for 2024. He'll be there 2028. 20, um, but... He is a freshman setter. And last time I checked, the last time a freshman setter went to the national championship was Micah Christensen in 2012, and he got destroyed 3-0. And that is not due to him. But point being, it's very difficult to win with a freshman setter. Now, what do I see when I look at Andrew Rowan with UCLA right now? I see a lot of patterns, right? So for me, Andrew Rowan is very simple right now. If he has a perfect pass and his feet are set in the pocket, he is most likely setting middle, especially when McHenry is front row. Okay. That is their main middle. If he is moving, okay, he loves to go, he loves to go the opposite direction. So for instance, if he gets pushed to the outside pin, he's going to flick it back. If he gets pushed to the right side, pin he's going to flick it outside. Okay, now this takes a lot of discipline to be able to maintain your position as the middle blocker. The middle blockers always like to follow the setter and then he'll just go against the flow, right? For me, if I'm having a game plan against UCLA, I, in a perfect pass scenario, I would commit with the middle, mostly with McHenry, If one of the other middles is up front, maybe Guy um, or Norris, then I would mix it up a little bit, throw some commits in, but I would front them every single time, okay? Now, with their pins, okay? This is what I've noticed with UCLA's pins. I think the tempo that they run, and because Andrew Rowan is always setting against the flow, right? So with a very fast tempo and very far from each pin when he's setting, it's very difficult for the hitters to hit with range. So a lot of times, both outsides and the right side, especially, you know, David on the right side, they hit line of approach every single time. Cross court, line of approach. They're just trying to get on the ball fast and beat you with speed. So for me, the main goal for Grand Canyon is get on your man for the pin hitters, right? Jackson Hickman on Ito david right and janky on ito if they get on ball right they take away ball right line of approach they go in just solo block they don't even need the middle i think they shut him down he has absolutely no range the only way he's effective is when the outside blocker is trying to help with the middle because ucla does put a lot of pressure in the middle and then he runs an extremely fast tempo to the right side pin if i'm the coach I'm letting the outside know you're gone. You're not helping with the middle. Because realistically, Merrick is not bouncing the ball towards the outside block, right? When there is a double block. If he's hitting, it's line of approach over the block. So for me, I'm sending out the outside blocks for Grand Canyon and go get Ito. Go get his ball. If you get on his ball, he becomes a non-factor. And that's their main pin hitter right now. So if they could shut him down and then do the same thing with the outside pins, which I don't think is going to be a big issue, but do the same thing with them. Just get on their ball, cross court, let the middle come in late and dive in the cross court. If they have the ability to do this, they're going to make UCLA struggle immensely to get side outs. Andrew Rowan is incredible, but you could tell he is very uncomfortable in certain situations. And he does the same thing over and over and over again, right? He is not setting the middle if he is not in a perfect pass scenario and if his feet are not in a perfect situation, okay? It has to be twofold. Perfect pass and his feet have to be there. If he does not have one of these, he does not like setting middle. And if he does, it usually is a mislocation. So for me... Perfect pass scenario, I'm committing, releasing, I'm going solo on everybody, why not? If he's moving and he's outside of the pocket, I'm again, releasing my pins, and my middle is gonna read and make a late dive into the cross court, and we're gonna leave all the pins, every single line shot that they want. Give them a foot of line, why not? And I would love to see if UCLA or Grand Canyon have the ability to beat you by hitting line. I don't believe so. So if if these teams have the ability to implement these game plans, I think both can be very successful. What I believe is going to happen, I think they're going to split the match or they're going to split both matches. So one and one. I think in match one, which is the most important one, in my opinion, when these teams play back-to-back games, I think day one is very important. I think Grand Canyon is going to overwhelm them. I think they're going to make Edo struggle because I believe Jackson Hickman is one of the best blocking outsides in the country. I think UCLA is going to struggle stopping Grand Canyon's middles in transition because of their speed. And I think they're going to struggle stopping Grand Canyon's offense in general. Okay? And unless UCLA comes in and has the best serving night of the year, I think they're gonna struggle big time in night one. Now, like I said, if they have a very good serving night, this could be a quick night for Grand Canyon as well, right? To me, these are the top two teams that I've seen so far in the country, and they've been playing the best offenses, they got great setters, they have great pins, they have great middles, but these are small things that I'm looking at, and for me, when I look at UCLA system, I think it's very very easy to read if you pay attention. With Grand Canyon, it's way more difficult. That's why you have to get them out of system. You must get them out of system because slight is extremely hard to read. He is I think the number one decision maker in terms of a setter, right? So when we look at Slight versus Andrew Rowan, I do value slight a little more than Andrew Rowan right now because of the experience and the decisions he's been making. But obviously Andrew Rowan could come in and develop very quickly like he's shown and kind of shut me up. So I'm very excited. Like I said, I'll be going to this game to watch live both matches, Friday and Saturday. And I cannot wait to see how this unfolds. But like I said, these are my predictions. We're gonna come back next week And we're going to see if uh, anything I said was on point or if uh, if I was completely out of it. So cannot wait to come back with you guys and uh, check in to see uh, how it went. So I cannot wait to watch this game. I'll be coming back with you guys next week and we'll be reviewing all these matches. So stay tuned. Thank you guys for coming back. I really appreciate it. And this was The Volleyball Mentor.